Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Curland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalier. When Dominique and I get together, it's a non-stop conversation. We both love horses and we love talking about training. So once we get started, it's hard to stop. And that was certainly true of this conversation. We decided to divide it into two parts. In our previous podcast, we talked about Ken Ramirez's suggestion to do it differently. He was referring to the training of husbandry procedures, especially as they relate to medical care. In this podcast, we're going to see how that phrase applies to performance work. I interrupted the conversation just as Dominique was about to talk about patterns. She had been talking about one trial quitters. Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz introduced that phrase to us in the July webinar. He went on to talk about the ABCs of training, but in a way that Dominique hadn't thought about before. So we'll pick up again where we left off. Our conversation is going to take us to patterns and the micro-shaping strategy, to techniques for building duration, and to a discussion that's centered around a really interesting question. What do you do when your animal says, no, I don't want to? We'll jump back in at the point where Dominique is talking about several wow moments from the webinar with Jesus. We always think of behavior as like a line, antecedent behavior consequence. And we've been talking about loops for quite some time now that it's not just like one segment, it's a loop. Antecedent behavior consequence, antecedent behavior consequence. And so one of the things he said, he said, your rate of reinforcement or the slowing down of your rate of reinforcement become parts of the antecedent for the next cycle. And I thought, wow. (laughs) And what he suggests to us is that if we don't want to go through this, we should signal, make a little change when we raise criteria to signal to the animal that they need to change something because now it's different. So I've been, I've been working on that, trying to see how I can change things. And in your loopy training DVD, there's a part where you talk about this. I keep coming back to this DVD, but there's so much in there because there's a whole part where you explain that you, you build patterns and then you change patterns and you explain very gradually to the horse that the patterns will change, that rules can change without the horse getting frustrated. I don't know if you can talk about that a little bit, because I think that's really important when we want to start building more complex behavior without creating frustration in our animals. It it is important, and it relates also to the micro-shaping strategy. So one of the, so the micro-shaping strategy, you have two behaviors. So you have behavior A and behavior B. And behavior A is the behavior that you want to improve. And behavior B is a behavior that, that your animal understands well and there's a, 
a history of reinforcement that sits behind it and you're not trying to improve it. Often targeting works well as behavior B. So you have a behavior, it might be that you're looking for a weight shift in the horse, which is often how the micro-shaping starts. You're looking for just a tiny little change in the muscling. And you click and treat, and you click and treat, and you click and treat a couple of times. And then when you see a slight improvement, or in the beginning, if you just need to get your rates of reinforcement up, you switch to the second behavior, to behavior B. And you offer your, your target, and the horse touches it. You offer the target again, the horse touches it. You offer the target again, the horse touches it. And you're offering the target in a way that you're not asking for different kinds of touches. You're not moving the target here one time, way over there another time, and in a totally different place a third time. It's the same behavior each time. So that your horse has a really high rate of reinforcement, high success rate. And then you switch back to the first behavior. And what begins to happen as this process goes on is that when you switch back, you will often see that the horse has processed and is starting off with a more deliberate, more that, that he's showing more of the behavior that you were just reinforcing, whatever more means. It might mean if you were looking for a lift of a foot, it's lifting sooner, it's lifting a little higher, whatever the criterion was that you were working on, you're seeing the animal move to that behavior faster, you're seeing more of the behavior. And what can begin to happen is that when you switch back to behavior A, that you are shifting your criteria slightly. So as you see that, oh, you're, you're offering a real shift back. Well, I'm gonna make that the clickable moment now. And those tiny little shifts, they're, they're, I'm not gonna click them anymore. I'm gonna chop off part of the bell-shaped curve. And so the bell-shaped curve keeps shifting. You're clicking and reinforcing everything that meets the criteria and above, but you're constantly chopping off the low end of the, of the curve. And so over time, the behavior becomes increasingly dynamic. The fluency is there. You're getting more amplitude. You're, it's just a, a cleaner, sharper behavior. And what the animal begins clearly to understand is that when you return to the first behavior, the criteria are going to be different. And it doesn't happen right away. But when you begin with a naive animal and you start introducing the micro-shaping strategy, you can see this understanding evolving. When you return, I'm going to expect that you will have shifted and be looking at a different aspect of the behavior. And that's a great understanding for any learner to have. So that's, that's part of it. And then for the patterns, I remember when I was working with Robin, my young horse, that I had him going around a circle of cones beautifully. And we'd go around the circle of cones and then I would go into the center of the circle to go to a mat and the mat was acting as a conditioned reinforcer because it had such a high rate of 
reinforcement, such a deep history of reinforcement behind it. But what I noticed is if I changed the pattern at all, my very particular, very smart Robin would say, oh, no, 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 that's not how we do things. And so I needed him to understand that one of the rules of patterns is that they change. And so we began very systematically to introduce into that beautiful circle variations. It's a bit like Ken's talk with the husbandry to say, do it differently. So we would go around the circle of cones and then make one variation in what you can do with a circle of cones. And so that would become the new pattern, the new rule, as it were. And when that was well established that that was a possible thing that we could ask for, then the pattern would change yet again. And, and over time, what emerged was an understanding in Robin that he, knew, he understood the pattern and he understood all the variations on the pattern. And so he wasn't surprised when I asked for a variation, nor was he, um, I don't want to say alarmed, but you could become, uh, if, if you're not expecting a particular request, it can be a little frustrating or you could miss it. Yeah, and it, it could make you not want to play anymore. Yeah. You know, if, if we're sitting down playing Scrabble and you change the rule every time, I might say, well, I'm not playing with you anymore. Right, so right. it's a tough thing, you know, to, to teach. It's tough and it's tough. And so you have to find a way to make it pleasant for the animal. In the, in the DVD, you say in the end, Robin loved the fact that the rules changed all the yes. time because it made the circle not boring. Yeah. But in the beginning... He was saying, no, 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 that's not how this game is played. That's right. So one of the mantras, one of the aphorisms of training is, don't make them wrong for something that you've taught them. So if I've taught him to go around the circle of cones and, all, and to stay out around the outside of the cones, which is what I wanted, if I've taught him that, and now I'm saying to him, well, how about coming to the inside of this cone? So we have a little serpentine. Let's go to the inside of this one and the outside of that one and the inside of that one. But the rule he's learned is horses on the outside, humans on the inside. Well, now that feels mm, not right. That feels very wrong to him. Horses should be on the outside. I don't go on the inside of the cones. Even though, you know, he's never been punished for going on the inside of the cone. It's just, that's where you go. So how do I help him to be right, because it's don't don't make them wrong for something that you've taught them. How can I structure my training? And this again is where the micro shaping comes into play because now you can ask for a tiny weight shift. And as he begins to approximate the the first weight shift into a new pattern, you can click and treat that, and then you can ask for that reaction pattern again and click and treat and ask for that reaction pattern again and click and treat that and pretty soon you've built the turn the new turn that you wanted and it's been a lot of fun because he's done nothing but get clicked and reinforced and clicked and reinforced and clicked and reinforced and told how right he is the the challenge is allowing them to be right and that's that's what I'm dealing with 
with the goats right now because they're learning to lead. And I've got all of these props set up in the barnyard. So they know to go to their platforms and they know to go up onto the ramps. But I also want them to just lead on the ground with me. And so if I get too close to a platform, they're going to want to go to the platform. And I don't want to put them in a position where suddenly they're wrong. So I have to make a quick judgment call. Do I go with them to that platform? Because that's what they know. Or do I use the platform to ask them to come back to me, which is something they're learning. It's a real juggling match of making sure that they're not put in a position where a behavior that has been reinforced, strongly reinforced, is actually now being punished because I'm not letting them do it. It's a real dance as you build out the repertoire and explain to an individual, well, this is the hot behavior because I'm cueing it, but now I need you to ignore that mat to walk past it and stay with me. And that, of course, is why we have platforms. Is they help us to explain those things. Because I suppose once they understand that patterns can change, this will start being useful in any other behaviors because they understand the concept that patterns change, rules change, and it's okay. It's part of the game. What have you found to be good beginning tools math certainly you just talked about that circle of cones how and you show it pretty well in the loopy training because in the loopy training you start with one cone then two cones three cones you go to a full circle then you vary all these exercises like you said first outside then we may back up and go inside have you found the cones to also be a good beginning tool for showing explaining to an animal that rules can change absolutely absolutely and the cones are guidelines so they help us as well as the horse or whatever your animal you're working with the dog the goat whatever you're working with so it's easier to keep track of what we're asking for when the cones are there the cones also let us know if we're on course or are we drifting all over the arena so but the cones allow us to create patterns and they allow us to be more creative so a lot of people are you know, oh I'm, I'm I'm just not creative as a trainer well if you have nothing in the arena it's hard to be creative but as soon as you start to put stuff out it's so much easier so when you put out a circle of cones and particularly if you can get cones that are different colors so my cones are three different colors and I love that because normally you get orange if you order through the internet often what you'll get is a stack of orange cones and if you get a stack of orange cones get some duct tape and get lots of pretty colors in the duct tape and make stripes and bands and different colors so that when you're looking at this circle of cones you're seeing not a circle of orange cones but you're seeing oh well, there's the blue cone there's the red cone, there's the yellow cone. And so I'm going to go out around the yellow cone and and I'm, I'm going to stop at all red cones and I'm going to go to the inside of all yellow cones and I'm going to go to the outside of all blue cones. Well, because they're different colors, you see those 
possible patterns more easily than if they were all the same color. And then put out lots of mats. The more stuff you have out, the more creative you will be. And the more interesting your training will be for both yourself and your horse. And what do you do when the horse protests and says, no, it's, that's not the game, Alex. We've been playing another game. That's not the one. What do you do? Let's say you've been going around the circle and now you've decided that you would stop, back up, and go inside, and the horse says no. And what does no look like? Well, first of all, it's not smooth, so he's, he's kind of lifting his head and wanting to go around because that's what you've reinforced before. And he doesn't understand why, what, what is the purpose of the game now? Where is this going? Right. So you really do have to look at what does no look like and why am I getting a no? So am I getting a no because my horse is tired? Then I'll stop. Am I getting a no because he doesn't understand? He doesn't understand the change of rule. Okay, then I need to, to explain it better. Does my horse have the repertoire to understand how to do what I'm asking? So if I've never asked my horse to back up, this might not be the time to ask to change that rule. So does my horse know how to back up? So let me take him out of that pattern and maybe go into the barn aisle or into a different part of the arena and work just on backing and then come back and see if I can insert that hot behavior into the pattern. If I think my horse has the backing in repertoire, it's just he's not expecting me to ask him to back up. Well, when I click, I can use my food delivery to set up the next part of a cycle. Say I'm on the rim of the circle and I want to turn into the center of the circle for the next part of the pattern. But my horse is, no, is used to me keeping him out along the rim of the circle. So if I were going to stay out on the rim of the circle, I would click and I would feed him so his nose was on the rim of the circle. But I want to turn in to the circle so I could click, take a step back so that I'm not blocking him and present my food so that he's turning into the circle. And he gets the food and then I can find just a tiny little weight shift, click that, and again set up the pattern using my food delivery to help him flow through that part of the dance. So I can establish the pattern in part through my food delivery. I know now that he's gone through the choreography. We've gone through the dance steps with the food delivery very much helping us out. And so now I can begin to ask for more of the flow of the pattern by the behaviors that I'm asking for in front of the click, and I can begin to fade out my dependence, I'll call it that, my dependence on the food delivery to create the pattern. So I've, I've helped him to be right. Yep. So I have another one for you, because for me, it's been, duration has been a challenge. And this is where sometimes Woody will be part of that one trial quitter. Let's say you're teaching Spanish walk and 
your horse is lifting each both legs perfectly and then you start to walk and he expects that let's say every second step he's going to get clicked and fed and now you want more than two steps how would you go about that very slowly so i would go back to something that i heard anya burns say when we were at, when i was at her workshop she was showing the progression the, the development of spanish walk through a series of horses beginning with a horse who was very new to it and then to horses that were a little bit further in the process and then horses midway through and so on and and somebody asked the question of a horse who was doing a fairly good job of what she calls the polka where the horse lifts one leg on cue and one front leg and then takes a step takes another step and then they cue again and ask for just the one leg so they're not expecting the spanish walk the one leg lifts then the other leg lifts and the other leg lifts they're not expecting that yet and so they asked well how long did it take to get to this point and anya said oh about a year and a half and i think when you're building duration I think it's hard because we're in a hurry. And one of the hardest things to get is really good duration because to get to duration, a long duration, you have to build it incrementally. So again, if I think about the goats and every training session, I have three platforms that are set out in their barnyard area. And I'll have the goats come out in from their, their pen and they dash over onto the platform. And, and I click and reinforce that. And I ask them for front. So they're facing me. And then I rock back a little bit, asking them to stay. And I click and reinforce. And I rock back a little bit more and I ask them to stay. And every day, they're a little more solid on the platform. I can step a little further back. I can wait a little longer between clicks, but it's tiny increments that I'm building. And if somebody came and looked at them today, they would say, oh, well, you know, they're barely staying on the platform. And that's true. They're only, I'm only taking, I think, two, two steps back away from them. But that's a lot more than what I had a few training sessions ago. And they're waiting more quietly their feet are stiller, their body is stiller. It all builds slowly. So I think rather than talk about the Spanish walk, which, you know, not everybody even knows how to picture that, but we could all imagine an animal standing on a platform or a mat, and we can all imagine how we could step back from that animal and build duration in small increments, what that would look like. And it's certainly a really important behavior to have. I need them to be able to stay on platforms. For one thing, I've got three really eager students. And right now, there's a little bit of chaos at the gates, which I, I'm tolerating now because I don't yet have in their repertoire the behaviors that they will need so that there isn't chaos at the gate. There isn't all three going, we, we want to play, we want to play. Well that will all get managed as I build the repertoires of staying. And we certainly need it for our horses. That's ground tying. It's 
Can you stay here while I go get your brushes? Can you stay here while I get your saddle? Can you stay here while I set out a circle of cones? Can you stay here while I do any number of, of tasks? But you have to build it slowly. And just as Ken in his webinar was saying, you know, every day we need to practice husbandry skills and we need to do it differently. Well, every day I need to practice staying. Every day I need to make that just part of the repertoire. And then over time, what you have are those amazing experiences like you had with Pico yesterday where you're saying, wow, he's, he's waiting at the stall door. He's putting his halter, his head in his halter. He's walking with me calmly. Where did that, where did this horse come from? And, and it came from your being very consistent in what you were asking for and letting it build in small increments. You know what I'm worried about always is getting stuck on a plateau because I keep hearing the mantra where you get a clean loop Make sure that you move on because you don't want to have that ceiling where you can't go through anymore. But perhaps I have to reassess what the plateau is. Maybe the little, little changes are small enough that you are not stuck on the plateau. You are moving forward. It's small, but it's still not exactly the same as a plateau would be. Because I'm always afraid of that, that I'm going to get stuck and that's it. I've reinforced this way of doing it so often that it's going to create a big frustration, a big extinction burst if I ask for more. So sometimes what I do is I just think, I'm going to stop for a while and think of a strategy to, to vary it because I don't know how to vary it anymore. Right. Except for asking for something too big that is not happening. And then I get into the one one trial quitter because the reinforcement is going down and down. And so that's the mad, that's the art, right? Right, That's where, you know, the skill trainers, they really know how to create the smallest change that the animal can perform and not get stuck on the plateau. But we're, we're not creating the change. The animal is. So that's the difference. Yeah, but we're selecting the change. We're selecting this as the new criteria. But that's different from we're creating yeah, it. you're right. So yeah. we cannot produce, in, if we think about ourselves, we can't produce carbon copies of behavior. There's always some variation. One of the the presentations, one of the conference presentations that I gave, this was one of the slides that we don't produce carbon copies of behavior. And I got on the internet and I found pictures of the figure skater, Michelle Kwan. She should have been an Olympic gold medalist, but sadly she never quite made that goal. But for those of you who follow figure skating, you'll know who I'm talking about. And she had this signature move where she would glide across the ice and her arms were outstretched and it was just beautiful. I found a series of pictures of her in different performances doing her signature move and each one was slightly different. So here is an Olympic level figure skater who has practiced perfecting her performances so that the variation is minimal because she's always striving for the very best, for 
for the ultimate gold medal performance. She does not want a lot of variation. And yet, even at that level, there's a little variation. So we don't produce carbon copies of behavior. And our job is to notice all of those subtle little changes and through the timing of our click to select those changes that are going to work the best for us. And so that's how you avoid frustration in shaping. If I know that behavior is varying, then my antenna are always out looking for those subtle shifts that are beginning to become more consistent. And as I begin to notice them and as they are presented over and over again, I can shift and make that little extra lift of the front leg or the flexing of the hind leg so that the horse is beginning to be able to take a step with his hind leg in addition to lifting up the front leg so he can actually begin to walk. I can begin to make that the criterion. And because it's already occurring, I don't get the frustration. I don't get those periods where my animal is going, you're not clicking me, I don't know what you want. Because the behavior is there, it's happening, and the shift is so seamless that you're just saying yes, 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 that was right, yes, that was right, yes, that was right, and you're not getting into the frustration of, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah, and and very often this, this comes to going to the smallest loop that is really squeaky clean and expanding from that. Right. Because I think sometimes when we create the frustration, we create it because we're asking for too much and we're not patient enough when we're not thinking, I'm going to get Spanish walk in a year and a half. I want it next month. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. I think this idea too that, for me anyway, I want to experiment with it. This idea of hazes, to even minimize it more when we do want to raise criteria to signal it somehow to the animal by slight, small things. I mean, it doesn't have to be a big thing, but maybe change our position, change a prop. I've been kind of experimenting with changing props to see if this can signal to the animal clearly that, okay, this is going to be slightly different now because it's not the same prop. So it's not the same target exactly. So this target is going to require some other behavior than the ones I've clicked in the past. Or location is such an easy way to do that. Mm. Again, with the goats, I'm building a new repertoire for them. And, you know, that's, that's another piece. When they came back, they, they had a good repertoire to start with. They knew how to go to mats and so on. But they were really just in the beginning phase of their, of their training. And now I'm working on so many more pieces So there's the husbandry, the standstill. There's the following me at liberty. There's the following me, staying with me on a lead. There's the coming back to me when they they go off. There's the going out to a target. There's the all the work that we do on the mat of the front side off so that they turn with me when they're on the mat. There's backing, which is great fun. So I work on each of these elements. I work on each new part of their repertoire in different places. So when I want to work on backing, I go past all of the obstacles 
and I work on backing there. When I work, want to work on the husbandry, I work on it in a particular section of their little agility course. And when I want to work on them recognizing their name symbols, because that's something I definitely want, we work on that in yet another location. So they have different, kind of like being in kindergarten, you have different activity zones. And in this activity zone, you're going to be sitting on the floor listening to your teacher read a book. And in this activity zone, you're going to be coloring. And in this activity zone, you're going to be up dancing. So you have different zones and different different expectations. Yeah. And certainly when you're building a new behavior like the backing, that's one where I really do have to keep on the alert of making sure that it doesn't hit a glass ceiling. They're very good at getting two or three steps. That sort of shift back seems to take to rock them back three steps and then they want to come forward again. So how do I shift that so we get the fourth step and that it's comfortable for them? I think that's really when we're looking at plateaus. Is there a point where it feels as though the behavior is getting stuck? That it's physically getting stuck? It's like it's it's run into a wall, as it were. And so one of the things I might look at for the backing is, can I put a mat out there and have them back to the mat? That would be using some of the techniques that I've seen Kay Lawrence use so effectively. So what are some of the strategies that I could use? If I want Spanish walk, is there a way that I can use the targeting to help me get that extra step that I'm looking for. What are some of the props I can use? What are some of the strategies I can use so that my animal continues to be successful? And then recognizing that, especially for something like Spanish walk, that is physically demanding, that it does take time to build it. And when you build it slowly, that's the most useful because then you really have stimulus control over the behavior. And you don't just have a horse who's flinging his legs up in the air, hoping that he's going to get clicked and reinforced. You know, one of the things I've been experimenting too with with Woody in the Spanish walk is the fact that the cue acts as a click when you're working with positive reinforcement. So what I do is when he has his first leg up, I'm using pool noodles, okay, to cue each leg. So I have a pool noodle in each hand. Mm -hmm. So I will cue the first leg. He lifts the leg. And while the leg is up, I touch the other leg with the pool noodle. So I cue the other leg when I like the position of the first leg. I'm just starting to work on this like that now. So you are presenting your cue at clickable moments, which is exactly right. Exactly. Exactly right. Exactly. So it's, I, I'm just starting and it's kind of funny because he's, he's very surprised about it. And he sometimes he keeps his leg up there. <laughs> but anyway, I'll see how it evolves. I find it's interesting. You know, it's, a, it's an interesting experiment. And that's one definitely where if an animal is new to the concept of cues and how they work in that when you do this behavior well instead of clicking I'm going to present a cue if they're new to the concept I wouldn't start with Spanish walk no you know and that's really what the foundation lessons are for that 
You're in grown-ups are talking. I've cued grown-ups are talking. My horse has taken his head beautifully away from the treat pouch and is looking straight ahead. And I could click that and give him a treat or I could offer him a target. Yeah. And he understands targeting. He'll touch the target. Click, he gets a treat. He's, he's learning how to chain behaviors together. Yeah. And I'm always presenting the cue out of clickable moments. Yeah, and I've, I've done oh. a lot of that with Woody, so he knows the, the idea. He knows that Yeah, concept. he knows that concept. Right, right. I wanted to put that in there because yeah, if somebody listening to us is, is saying, oh, I think I'll go teach my horse Spanish walk with pool noodles, and you have a horse who has no foundation whatsoever in understanding cues and how cues work. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is that the pool noodle targeting with the legs, I've done a lot right. of that with him, and he right. really likes it. But but the difference is that to cue where I would have clicked during Spanish walk, that that's something that right. I haven't done with him, with him with the pool noodles and that I'm just starting to play with. I don't know where where it'll bring us, but right. Well, you'll have to you'll have to report back. So over a period of time, because it this is one that you develop slowly. Yeah, and I don't want to do it every time I play right. with him either. I'll take right. my time on it, but it's kind of fun to look at how uh, cues can act as clicks in in a more complex behavior like that right. one. Though I, I, you know, when you say that cues act as clicks, I wonder if that's really how we want to say it because cues that have been positively taught can can be reinforcing. That's right. So a click is a cue. A click is a cue. Yeah. It isn't that that the cue is acting as a click. A a cue that is well taught tells the animal what to do next, and it reinforces the pre- the preceding behavior. Yeah, because it's it tells the animal that this cue eventually will lead to reinforcement. Right. So this cue now becomes really important, and the animal wants to work and wants to perform what is cued because he knows that in the end, it always leads to reinforcement. Right. right. The cue itself is not the reinforcement but it is a predictor that reinforcement is coming. It's one of those where people can get themselves tangled up into knots. And- yeah, we should probably ask Susan Friedman in our webinar with her how she would phrase it. How she it. would phrase that. That would be an excellent thing of how should we be saying that so that it is clear and scientifically correct. Yeah. What a perfect segue into, because we've, we've been talking for a while, so we really should sort of draw this podcast to a close. And then we normally have our announcements at the end. So rather than waiting to have the announcement, do you want to say a couple words about the webinar that's coming up? Because it's so exciting that we've got Susan. Yeah, we have Susan. Uh, actually, I don't remember. I think it's September 29th. Yep. Uh, that we will have uh, Susan as our guest for our um, webinar. So yeah, Susan has a way of making the science so clear. Yes. And phrasing things in a way that really helps us in our training. And then we have another webinar coming up, a third webinar coming up with Jesus. And that one is in... That's November, November 11th. Yeah, it's in November. You know, one of the things that I found so amazing with the webinars with Jesus is that he brings us new material. Yes, yes. That's, it's just amazing, you know, because you, 
some of these speakers, of course, you know, they're extremely popular. And so some of us have eagerly watched or attended their presentation. But Jesus is bringing us new material. It's amazing. We're so lucky. I know, I know. And it's, it's, uh, it's really triggering a lot of discussion in the forum that comes with the uh, webinar access because it's all this new stuff. <laughs> I know, I know. And you really do have to go back and listen to it several times oh. in the recording because yeah. it's such a head spinner. And that's, that was yeah. true also with Ken's webinar. And now with Susan, I mean, it's just, I can't imagine because for me, Susan is the myth buster that she really helps us to clarify our thinking. Oh, is that really the process that is happening there? Is that really how we want to describe this procedure? She's so good at helping us to see our training in, I don't want to say so much a different light, but with the clarity that behavioral analysis offers, that the functional analysis offers. And this teasing apart of the behavior to understand the processes that are really at work. But she does it in a way that makes it so accessible. She does. You know, she'll say things like, because of course she, she'll, she'll talk about the function of behavior. She always encourages us to analyze it because if we don't understand the function of a behavior, then it's very hard to modify behaviors or uh, teach behaviors. And, you know, she'll say things like, well, it's important for you if you want to modify behavior to understand the function of the behavior because if the behavior wasn't important to the animal, he wouldn't persist in doing it. Yes. There are all these pearls, you know, where you say, of course. You know, it's like someone's describing gravity to us and we don't, we haven't seen it. You know, when someone is explained, you cannot unsee it anymore. That's right. That's what a great way of, of putting it. Yeah, you can't unsee it now. That's what she does to, for me anyway. All the time she brings all these ideas that I cannot unsee anymore. Yes, yes. And... She's able to talk about it in a way that stays true to wanting to be a positive reinforcer. So even when you're saying something that needs a little bit of nudging in a different direction, let's say, that she's able to do it kindly. <laughs> yeah. And so I always, when, when I'm at the Clicker Expo or any of the conferences that we're, where we're both presenting, I always appreciate all the time I get to spend just hanging out, listening to various situations that come up. And even if it's just something as simple as how she talks to a waiter at a restaurant, mm. she just models so beautifully good behavior modification. Yeah. You know, it's tremendous. Well, I can't wait for that webinar. Yeah. I'm really looking forward. I know. So that's September 29th, yep. 1.30 Eastern Time. And then Jesus is, is November 11th, also I think 1.30 Eastern Time. Yeah. And to register, all people need to do is go to equosity.com. Yep. And you'll scroll down to the webinar section and just if you want to know more about the webinars, you can click on the more information button and 
if you want to register, you can do that right on the website. And so one last thing, Alex. Yep. Did you tell me you were going to put some video of the joyful cow of Snickers? Yes. So we'll put that in the library so people can... People want to become member of the library. It's free. You just have to uh, to register in the library uh, section. There's a place where you can register, and we'll send you the password. But it's free, and there's a lot of bonus material for the podcast in the library. Since since right. podcast one, we've put articles and a few videos, and yes. now you're going to put a photo of a joyful cow. Yes, yes. I'll, I'll put some some cow photos up. Very good. And we'll talk next time. That's fine. So have fun. You too. Bye. Bye.